0: Joined on Football CFB by former Morton player and current Carlisle defender, Jack Iredale. First of all, Jack, thanks for joining me. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Um, I want to start because with this, you've got an interesting upbringing in the sense that you were born in Scotland and then you moved to New Zealand and then on to Australia at a young age.
1: Yeah, I've been been around the place a little bit. I think just before I turned one, Mum got a, a job opportunity in New Zealand. So, my mum and dad jumped on a plane and went over there. I spent 10 years in New Zealand. And then, I think I spent 10 years in Australia. And then, for the last couple of years, been back in the UK.
0: In terms of moving back to, moving to New Zealand, then, then to Australia, what was that like in terms of football? Because, obviously, in the UK, as you know, it's ingrained in society um, from a very young age. But in those countries, rugby and cricket tend to be the sports that are very big. Yeah,
1: especially in New Zealand. I think um, there was only me and four or five of my mates that would have the football out at, at play times at school. Everyone else had the rugby ball out um, in New Zealand. Very, very rugby orientated. And um, to be honest, I grew up playing that as well. Um, but for me, it was always it was always football that I wanted to. And then in Australia, um, football's a bit more in the spotlight there. But obviously, there's there's so many sports that are all fighting to be the, the top sport in the country. Um, but in terms of uh, how popular football is, it's definitely much more popular than in New Zealand.
0: When you start playing football for, for a team, what age was that at? And, and in terms of your position what position did you start playing?
1: Um, I think I was, I was six. Um, and I, I came home from school one day and I I said to my mum, I want to go to, over there, it was soccer trial. So I told her I wanted to go, to go on trial for my my local soccer team. And she thought, she sort of looked at me as if, you know, she, I'm not going to be very good. She had no idea I was playing football at school with my friends, but you know, she, she let me go down and, um, I was, I was all right. Was, there was no football boots or anything like that. It was bare feet running around on the grass. Um, and at that age, didn't have positions. It was everyone trying to get the ball running around in a little cloud. But as I grew up, um, I found myself playing centre mid quite a lot up until I was 13. And I got put out wide on, on the left wing because um, I genuinely, I just don't think we had any other left-footers. So I just went out there, stood there, played there for a couple years. And then 15, I think I was, I, I got moved back to centre-half. I, I had quite a bit of a growth spurt and I went from one of the shortest in the team to, to one of the tallest in the team. So I played centre-half for uh, maybe three or four years, Um five years. And then once I got to Morton, uh, Jim Duffy sort of converted me to a left back.
0: In terms of Morton, before we get there, you were you were at Perth Glory as as a youngster. Um, what was that like and the development there?
1: Yeah, so I, um, obviously I, I came back to to Perth when I was um, sixteen or seventeen, and I was involved with the youth team there, um, and then I was training quite well when you'd get asked to, to go and train with the first team after our sessions were done so to be put in an environment like that when I was you know 17 18 and that was my first real taste of uh, professional men's football um, you either sort of have to to stand up for yourself or you're going to get brushed aside so it was a bit of a, a quick learning curve but you know some of the players that that Glory had at that time were top top players and i had to adapt pretty quickly to to keep up with them.
0: In terms of your time in Australia, you played in the youth setup at Perth Glory, but you also, for a spell, played semi professional as well.
1: Yeah, so that that was the the period um, just before I I moved to the UK. Um, I left Perth Glory, and I was sort of um, waiting for that opportunity to to come to get myself overseas. And the team that I went down to had a, a great relationship with it. ECU joindler, um, I, knew, I knew the guys there and they basically gave me the position to keep playing, keep fit and and, and wait for, for that opportunity, so sort of they helped me I helped them at the same time, so I was, I was fortunate
0: with that What I'm interested about to ask you is, you mentioned the fact that you, you came over to the UK was that always something that was a plan for you to come over here and, and hopefully get a club? Um Growing up, I'd
1: always wanted to play football in Europe. I just didn't know when it was going to happen. To be honest, it happened a lot quicker than I thought it was going to. Um, But I wouldn't change the way it happened. Um, Yeah, I mean, ever since I was a kid, you grow up watching, especially the Premier League, you grow up watching that sort of stuff. Um, In Australia, when I was sort of 13, 14 you had players like Tim Cahill and, and Harry Kuehl and stuff that are at the, the top, top level. And you had Mark Vaduka and and all those players that are playing at, at top European clubs. So definitely there was always a focus on, you know, that's sort of where where those players are going. You want to follow in their footsteps, really.
0: When you go on trial at Morton under Jim Duffy, you play against Tariff United, largs Thistle, De Amateurs. I mean, what was that like, especially not only being back in Greenhawks, but but playing on trial for, for what was your hometown club, even though you were only here for a short period of time?
1: Yeah, I, I genuinely didn't have any idea what to expect coming over. Um, I actually, funnily enough, went on trial to to St Mirren just before that, and, and it didn't work out. And then um, I think my uh, my family was happy with the fact that it didn't work out there because I could end up going back to Greenwich. Um, and then, you know, when I was on that stage, basically, I had a, a one-way ticket to, to the UK and it was sort of, you know, you've got to do everything you can to get your foot in the door and get a contract. And that was sort of my mindset with whoever, whichever team you're playing, people are going to be watching and you're on trial every day with... Um, under Jim Duffy and you just want to impress and, and get your foot in the door, really.
0: When you're on trial and you're training under Jim Duffy, what's it like? Because I've spoken to a few former Morton players who were in and around Jim Duffy's time and they always talk about how good a coach he is and, and the way he is as a man. But you've got a different perspective in the sense that you were on trial first. So the players I'd spoken to had been signed up. But from your perspective, how did they treat you considering you were trying to win a deal?
1: Yeah, um he's
0: as a as a, a gaffer he's one of those
1: guys that you could go in and and, and knock on his door and you have all the time in the world to to help you out with whatever you need but at the time of a, a trialist you know I, I was sort of the outsider i didn't know what to expect um you could tell that he was uh you know he, he could be quite a hard man when when he wanted to and and that was another reason to keep your head down and make sure you're doing the right things and, and being respectful and, and, and playing hard. And I think um, Craig McPherson as well, he was sort of, it was sort of almost the the good cop, bad cop um, relationship with them um, when it needed to be. So uh, Haji was, was kind of the guy I could, I could, um, speak to and have a, and have a laugh to have a laugh with and stuff like that. But when it came to football, you know, it was, it was all business with trying to impress uh, Jim Duffy.
0: You initially signed a six-month contract at Morton. I imagine that's an interesting sort of contract to get in the sense that you're obviously buzzing that you've got the contract. But at the same time, you know that it's short term and you have to do everything you can to make sure you can extend it.
1: Yeah exactly but it it was the opportunity i, I needed I, I went over there with the mindset to literally just get my foot in the door and and take take what what i could earn um and and jim there was he was good enough to to give me a contract um and to give me that opportunity and, and he told me when i signed it you know he said he said it's 6 months okay. the ball's in my court to um to go out and and earn another one basically and and in that six months, he he said, you know, at the time we had Tam Aware and Ricky Lammy, who were both top, top center half. And I was playing centre-half at that time. And he said, I'm not going to get much game time. He thinks it's best for me to go out and learn the Scottish game and, and get some loan games under my belt.
0: You, you you mentioned the loan games, but you have a couple of starts. Edinburgh City and Livingston and the, the Betfred and the Brew Cup. But as you say, the loan spell ends up being at Queen's Park. I mean... Just what was that like? Getting that experience of Scottish football week in week out.
1: Yeah, well, I think the, the Edinburgh City game we played really well. We won five 0 I played centre half, and then I got another start against Livingston, and that that really opened my eyes to okay, this is a different ball game compared to Australia. Um, in the terms of th- that team, that Livy team was coached by a hoppy that they got promoted that year. Um. And they were such an aggressive physical team, and it wasn't something I'd ever come up against, especially as a centre half. I think the it was Big Todorov I was marking, and he was just chucking me about. um I, after the game, I thought, yeah, I've got to, I've got to sharpen up pretty quick. But when I went on loan to to Queens Park, um, I had a great time there, playing playing hand in every second week, and and learning. Um, the pace and the the style of the Scottish game and without that uh, four, four or so months that I spent there you know it would have been so tough for me to get back in the Morton team.
0: Something I'm really interested to talk to you about is your conversion from a centre back to a, a full back who liked to get forward I mean how did that come about and was that something that you were comfortable with straight away or did it take some time to adapt to?
1: Uh, well, looking back on it now, I have no idea how I managed to play centre half for so long because I I love getting the ball and and flying forward and and doing the offensive stuff as a fullback. So um, I think it was I I hadn't played left back in years. You know, I don't even think I played left back since I played left wing. So the the day before we played uh, Dunfermline in the cup, I'd just come back from my loan and. Um, the gaffer was rotating the squad and he, he put me out at left back and I thought, okay, I might have a chance of, of starting here tomorrow. So, um, you know, we got to the game and he read out the team and, and I was starting and it was my first game starting back for Morton and I was really nervous but, um, you know, I had some really experienced players around me. I had Tam Aware right next to me. Gary Harkins was, was floating around near me, helping me out. Um, I had quality players in front of me. So, they uh, they really helped me find my feet pretty quickly with that and it helped that, you know, we, we had a win and I had a pretty decent game, so it helped the confidence and, and all that sort of stuff. So it was quite seamless, really.
0: I've got to ask you, you mentioned Gary Harkins there. Um, just how good a player is he technically and what was he like in training?
1: No, he, he's he's magical. Big, big Gary, he's like my...
0: Uh,
1: I call him Uncle Jeebsy because he was always the the guy that, you know, if I ever had any any questions? Anything I ever needed, I could I could go to him, and he'd, he'd put his arm around me and and guide me in the right direction. And in terms of the technical ability, for such a, a big guy, you know, the stuff that he could do with the ball at his feet, and he you know, was like a, a wizard in centre mid, just dictating the play, class to play with.
0: In terms of the other big characters in that team, um, when you returned from your loan spell, who were they, and 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 what were they like with you?
1: Um. All the boys at Morton when I when I was when I was there was really, really good. Um they sort of found it found it a bit of a novelty really because I I was an Australian player, you know, there was always cracking home and away <laughs> jokes and Steve Irwin and Crocodile Dundee. I was getting all of it. <laughs> Whatever you could think of I was getting. But that that helped me um sort of settle in and, and feel part of the team. You know, players like Michael Tidza, he was always always one to be messing around and, and having a laugh and a joke in the change rooms but as soon as he was on the pitch he was a winner as well um, Tamaware was was a leader um, Gary Harkins all, all these players they were great guys off the pitch but on the pitch you know they wanted to win um, and that was yeah that that really helped me adapt to the game and, and feel comfortable in that team
0: Returning from your loan spell you mentioned the Dunfermline game and you return but you, you, credit to yourself you you break into the team and you stay there 13 starts you score 3 goals as well I mean just how proud were you all of that
1: yeah it was a bit of a whirlwind really I mean I was um, coming back from my loan spell I was just really hoping I'd be able to be on the bench and travel to these stadiums and experience what it was like to be playing you know in, in Europe and in, in Scottish football and then the opportunity came up to play left back I had a good game, kept my start, I think next week I scored a goal and then obviously I just kept staying in the team, we went on a bit of a run of form, um, so it was sort of like, you know, everything sort of just clicked at that time and it really helped me piece together some games, um, the more I played, the more comfortable I felt, the more I understood and it um, yeah, just felt like I just kept getting stronger there really.
0: I can't have this interview without asking you. Talk me through that goal against Dundee United. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, um, I, sort of, I, I remember Mark,
1: Mark came on at left wing. I saw Mark's number go up because he was the other left back at the time. and I saw his number come up and I thought, oh, okay, I'm coming off here. And then he went on at left wing. And we'd always have a laugh and a joke. He was one of my, one of my closest friends in that team. And he, he came on just in front of me and he turned and he set the ball back to me. And I was, I had to run onto the ball because there was a player closing me down and I took a few touches. And then all of a sudden I looked up and I was inside the box and I thought, well, I'm not, I'm not here very often. Didn't really know what to do. So I just had a shot really and uh, managed to creep it in the bottom corner. And it all happened so quickly, but I remember how slow it looked when I, when I had a shot and I I looked up and I see the ball roll into the back of the net. And um, the first goal was done a long time. I didn't quite know what to do with my celebration until Gary Hawkins rugby tackled me and everyone <laughs> jumped on top um, but yeah that's, that's got to be my, my favourite goal that I've ever scored for sure
0: It's an absolute belter um, absolute belter at the time and, and it's a goal that's still talked about now um, the, the obvious question is you break into the team on your loan spell you're getting regular games you've converted yourself into a fullback and a very good fullback at that but then the manager Jim Duffy leaves the club. Is that something that you're worried about in the sense that you think oh, I've just put out my loan spell. I've come back. The gaffer's shown faith in me, and, and now there's going to be a change.
1: Yeah, um, obviously, it, it was it was tough to see uh, the gaffer go because I really liked him. Obviously, I've still got so much to to thank him for with with giving me my opportunity and and getting me into the game over there. Um, but. You know, everyone was in the same boat as me um, with New Gaffer coming in. You've got to impress. Um, you've got to do what you can. And I, I backed myself to impress. Um, didn't really work out for a little while, but eventually got myself back in the team. Um, but, you know, that's football. That's going to happen. Managers are going are to prefer you to play. Some managers are going to prefer other players. Um, it's just, yeah, it's tough to take, but I managed to get back in the team eventually.
0: You mentioned the fact you do manage to get back in the team. Um, in terms of that season, Ray McKinnon obviously comes in as the club's manager. The club makes a good start in the league and then Ray leaves quite quickly. From your perspective, how was that? It
1: was really weird. Um, really, really weird. I was um, I hadn't played in that season. Um, Ray bought in a, a left back that he'd known um, at Wraith. Um so that was a tough one. I think I played every single preseason game up until the first week of the season. And we signed a new left back and then I was I was on the bench. Um, but, you know, the way the way the team started, we looked really, really good. Um, and obviously, Ray left. New Gaffer came in and uh, it was sort of the same thing. You know, take a step back. This is an opportunity. He's not going to know any any players. It's my chance to to try and get back into the team again.
0: In terms of the new manager coming in, you mentioned the fact it was a strange situation when, when Ray McKinnon left very early. From your perspective, though, was it a case of, I understand why everyone else could be gutted, but for me, a new manager could be a good thing to, to get back in the team?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a bit of a, a selfish one, really, but sometimes you have to be selfish in football. It was, it was a chance for, for a reset for me to get back in the team. Um, obviously, with, with Ray leaving we we sort of looked to our more experienced players for guidance. And that season we had um, Chris Miller, Jim McAllister, Michael Tidzer all, all stepped up to be, you know, re- Derek Gatson, all stepped up to be real leaders for us. Um, and I think in terms of that, that brought us closer together as a team, you know, where we could rely on each other like that.
0: I'm, I want to get your perspective on Jonathan Johansson, because I'm tr- hopefully going to get him on the podcast very soon, but... What was it like as a manager? Because you know what it's like in football. He gets a lot of criticism from certain elements of fans. But then when I speak to some players, they say like I spoke to t- Michael Tidson. he said, no, he was a good manager. He said, and people said he was very quiet. He said, but he's not as quiet as you think. He, he wouldn't be, be shy in telling you if he wasn't happy.
1: <laughs> no, no, there was a, a couple of half times. I remember the the, the, thing, the finger would come out and, and he'd, he'd give the, the boys a good a good talking to, but in terms of management, you know, it was his first, um, job as a gaffer. Um, but you could tell the, the qualities that he wanted to bring in. Um, and it was unfortunate that he, you know, he didn't have his, his preseason to do that. Um, the signings that he made in January, you know, brought some really, really good players in like of Greg Kilty came in and he, he was class for us. So you could see the, the type of players that the gaffer wanted to bring in, um, and then towards the end of the season, you know, results were tough to come by during the season as we were adapting from styles of play. Um, but I think the players have to take responsibility for that as well. Um, it's not not all on, on the gaffer. You know, we, we were trying to, to learn what he wanted to do. And as as the season neared the end, it was unfortunate timing because we started to, to understand how he wanted to play. We started to, to do the things that he wanted us to do and we were picking up results and I think it would have been interesting to see if if he had a, a pre-season where he could, you know, a, um, attract the players that he wanted to do and, and instill a full pre-season with us um, learning. I think it, it could have been a completely different story.
0: In terms of that season, you mentioned the fact results were tough to come by for, for, a, for a period and then it picked up. Two-weeks draw at Capelo against um, Inverness, I remember it, I <laughs> It was a very tense game. And then, obviously, going up to Falkirk, there was the speculation. Will Michael to play? Will he not? Because he's going there. He <laughs> did play. And that game and that day was absolutely glorious, if you're a Morton fan.
1: That was a, a very special day. Um, I think that season under the gaffer, I think I played eight or nine different positions um, and eventually got to play, you know, got an extended run of games uh, at wing-back and at, and at fullback. Um I remember that inverness game, I thought we were unlucky not to win, but I we think. we were it, it was a tense game because we all knew that we were really pointy into the season and we, and we needed results um so after that game, you know we were all fully focused on that on that Saturday up in falkirk and I've gotta say the the traveling support that we had that that day really really helped you know it was a bit of nerves, but we all knew um how good we were and and that we could win and then also walking out you see you've got you've got next year you know having a player of his quality on your team it, it helps it helps a lot it definitely helped me because he would always be sort of on the left side of the midfield always next to me barking orders at me and playing those balls and it it, it take care of me quite a lot so to have him in the team um the the noise that the travelling fans made and and the sun was out as well so that made me feel at home I think mum just got off the plane literally five hours before that to get to the stadium to watch the game. Um, so it, it was a good day all round for
0: me. I got A good day all round. And in terms of that game, because of what it meant to the supporters with the, the exit of the previous manager, the pressure on the game, the relegation battle, is that one of your proudest achievements with Morton, that game and, and the victory and, and just the whole atmosphere after it as well?
1: Yeah, I, I love the way that um I felt during that game. I mean in uh in the first half, I think there was twenty twenty a period of twenty minutes where, you know, we were on the back foot a little bit and I thought, okay, yeah, here we go. And then obviously we, we grew into the game and we started getting our chances and as the game went on, you know, we all felt stronger, we felt quicker, we felt fitter. And I remember the last ten minutes of that game with um we'd just scored the second and um the the crowd was was cheering and we sort of knew at that time that okay, yeah, we've we've done this. This 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 feels good.
0: Something I'm interested to ask you about the, the results pick up under the management team towards the end of the season to get to the Dundee United game at home. It's obviously a whirlwind change. The management team leaves. Um Chris Miller, Jim McAllister step up um on that last game of the season. What was that like from 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 your perspective inside the dressing room?
1: Honestly, that was a that was a very weird day. I I, I rocked up. Um, I was one of the last players to 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 get to the stadium, and everyone was out on the pitch, and there was phone calls happening everywhere. And I'm looking around, going, "What what's what's happening here?" And one of the boys told me um, about about what had happened. And I was like, uh, I I still can't even put put into words what was going through my head, but. It, I was honestly in disbelief for quite a while, and then obviously, yeah, we had Jim and Chris taking the team, and it was just a strange way to to finish the season, really.
0: A strange way to finish the season. Michael Tidzer scores an absolutely fantastic free kick. And um, after the game, very emotional. Um, fans were delighted, obviously, with the whole Falkirk situation. The club being... Been relegated to, there was a party atmosphere. I remember <laughs> yourself walking around the perimeter of the pitch after the game, giving your shirt away to, to some of the young supporters. I mean, what was that like for you in terms of emotions? And I'm interested to get your perspective. Did you know you were leaving the club at that stage for Carlisle or was there still a chance after that last game that you could have stayed at Morton?
1: Um, there were a few clubs that had been speaking um, to me. And I I knew yeah I I was ninety five percent sure I was leaving Morton at the time. So at, after that game, I was uh, you know just trying to soak in the atmosphere and en- enjoy the the way that the fans are feeling because the the fans at that club are, are you know they're, they're special to me. They especially after I scored that goal against Dundee. Um, I think that, that really helped um with with their opinions of me. You know, they started singing a song for me. It was the, the first song I've ever had sung about me of every time they'd sing that when I'd walk out in the first half I'd usually I'd usually go and stand right in front of the cow shed. They'd 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 sing that little song for me and I'd get goosebumps every time they'd sing that. So to to walk around at the end of the game and just sort of, you know, experience it for again and and enjoy the the last you know two years I'd spent at the club knowing that probably I was I was about to to move on to the next stage of my career.
0: You mentioned the fact the, ne- the next stage of your career was on the way. There was interest in you. Ultimately, in the end, why did you choose Carlisle?
1: Growing up as a kid, I'd always wanted to play in England. Always wanted to play in England. Um, the way that it—it it was just the feel that the club gave me when I was speaking to the the manager at the time, Stephen Presley. Um, it was a a chance to get a foot in the door in England. You know, there's there's so many games to play down there. Twenty four teams in that league. Most a lot of Tuesday games. I thought this this is what I've I've left home for. I've left home to play football, and there's a chance to go down south to play. You know, up. If I'm if I'm in the team upwards of fifty games in a season, you know it it, it just seemed like the right thing for me to do, and it was a it was an, it was a chance to to try and and make a leap forward for me.
0: In terms of the standard when you started playing for Carlisle, how did it compare to Scottish football?
1: Um, I think the game there. It was the the pace wasn't as quick, but um the the technical standard of, of the players in, in that league was really, really good. So it was a bit more geared towards, you know, for some for for some teams it was a bit more geared towards getting the ball, passing it around, trying to to break down the opponent. Whereas in in the championship in Scotland, you know, if if you're in trouble, you've got a lot more license to try the, the route one, um, get it behind, squeeze up and, and try try your luck from there. But in terms of styles of play, I feel like that was, that was the two um, biggest differences i would noticed
0: when you start playing down there, you play regularly. you mentioned the fact it was always a dream to play in England when you scored your first goal I mean just describe that feel
1: yeah that, that, that was a special moment um, the The club has gone through a bit of a rough rough patch at the time with, with in terms of results and um, we were we, we were just starting to turn a corner at that stage and and to get that goal to um, it, it really felt like it gave the boys a boost, and you know, to, to get my first goal in, in English football as well, that, that was a, a special achievement for me.
0: I'm interested to ask about one of your teammates who played up in Scotland for quite a long time um, Stephen Skugel. He's a player who very highly rated um, when he came through the youth system at Livingston, also down to Sheffield United. Many were shocked that he, he went to Carlisle because they thought maybe he would have stayed in Scotland. But just how good a player is he? Because technically, he's, he's a great watch.
1: Yeah, no, Skoogs is he's one of my, my better friends in the team, actually. So I'm, I'm with him quite a lot. He's a funny guy. Um, in terms of his technical ability, you know, he's... That, that low center of gravity he's got, he's he's so sharp with his change of direction and his ball control and he can find a pass as well. And then on top of that as well, when he's when we've not got the ball, he's he's so good at going and getting the ball back. So quick, so sharp and, and can get in and, and get the ball. So whenever whenever Scoogs is on your team, you know your your job's gonna be a little bit easier. Especially, you know, as as a left back, he's he's left footed as well. He's we, we were starting to develop quite a good relationship with the, the runs I could make and, and the passes he could find as well. So it was always good to to play and train with with someone like him.
0: In terms of your time at Carlisle, you're, in, you're definitely enjoying yourself, um, which has been great to see. I'm not trying to put you in a spot here, but in terms of the future for you, Jack, are, are, you, are is your future secured with Carlisle next season or because of this current pandemic, is, are things a wee bit up in the air?
1: Yeah, we're waiting to see what the what what the situation was with how the the season's going to start again. Um, obviously, the club needs to know what position they're in financially before they either start planning for the rest of this season or for yeah. next season. Um, my contract finishes at the end of this season, but we'll we'll see. Um, depending on how obviously the the COVID stuff all all pans out, and and whether or not the season's going to start again, so I think I've got I've got to wait for
0: that. Well, as you say, it's a wait and see, and and hopefully, um, the news that you won um comes out of that, whether that's at Carlisle or, or elsewhere. Um, something I want to touch on with you because I found it really inspiring at the time. Obviously, I'm based in Inverclyde, so I read the the Green Telegraph quite a lot. But you opened up on the fact that you have diabetes and and you're still playing at a very high level of football. I mean, as I say, one of my best friends is is diabetic and. And in terms of these sort of stories, whenever they come through, I always ping him over a message because I remember, always remember when we were going through high school, and and he loved his football as well. He used to worry it was going to hold him back, but but you're another example like Danny McGrain and others that it doesn't need to hold you back, and and for you it certainly hasn't.
1: No, for sure. Um, when I first got diagnosed, you know, I was I was so scared. I had no no idea what it would mean for me, but at the same time. Um, I had uh, two really good friends that I I did judo with and they were both type one diabetic as well. And they were both national champions and that sort of helped me see that, okay, they've got diabetes, they, they do the right things. They control what they need to control and it doesn't seem to stop them at all. You know, why can't that be the same for me? And obviously as time went on, I learned my body. I learned um, how I'd react to different things in terms of, you know, my sugar levels and, how I perform at the high at, at at the peak performance. What what do I need to do? Um, so it took a little bit of time to to learn that, um, and that's because with diabetics, you know, as much as the general advice is the same, the little things that they're, they're all they're all different for for each and every one. So you need to really, you know, focus on on your own stuff, and then once once you can control that, once you can control your own your own process, there's no reason why it should stop you at all. Um and I'd I'd Google, you know, players playing at the highest level, and, and the first player that popped up was Nacho Fernandez for Real Madrid, won World Cups, Champions Leagues, La Ligas, and I thought, oh, okay. If he can play with Ronaldo and Sergio Ramos, then I think I might be alright.
0: Exactly. You're spot on there. Um as I say, the story was very inspiring. Your career and in Scottish football with Morton, your fans' favourite player that fans still talk about now. Um, could there ever be a, a time in the future, whether that's, I don't know, five, ten years where you would consider a return to Morton and a return to Scottish football?
1: Oh, I never say never. Um, I think definitely before I, cu- I finish my career, I'd love to play at Capelo again, whether it's for Morton or against Morton, one or two. I'd, I'd love to play there again. Um, but you know what football's like. Literally, anything can happen. Um, obviously, with the with what's going on, you want to wait and see what, what's going to happen for next season. But I could end up back up north. I could be staying at Carla, or or something else could pop up. It's all it's all up in the air. Um, but definitely, one day I'd, I'd love to play at Capelo again, the competitive game.
0: Absolutely, and I wish you all the best for the future, Jack. Um, I want to finish with a quick round of. Of quick-fire questions. Um, First one being, who would you say are the best players you've played with? Um, Nathan Thomas
1: is one of them. He was on loan from Sheffield United um, this season. He he was was class. And then I've got to put big Gary Harkins in there as well. Special player. Brilliant.
0: Um, Best opponents?
1: Um, Played against uh, Celtic in the Cup. Um, I only, only got a few minutes that game, but coming on the, the size and the strength and the pace of those players was different. So I think I looked away for half a second, and James Forrest was 20 metres away from me.
0: <laughs> wow. Um, who yeah. would you say is your most underrated teammate, whether that's Carlisle, Morton, Perth, Glory, anywhere? Who would you say is the most underrated player you've played with?
1: Oh, underrated, what a question.
0: Um
1: I'd say I'd say probably Jack Bridge at Carlisle. He, he's copped a bit of stick from the fans, but you know when when you train with him every day and you see the kind of stuff he can do, he's, he's a special special player.
0: A few non football ones for you. Um, if you weren't a footballer, which sport do you think you'd have ended up playing?
1: Probably judo. You know, I, I was I was pretty into that um, before. I decided to, to go
0: football full time. Who's your favorite sportsman outside of football?
1: Um Dan Carter. Rugby. Who yeah,
0: yeah, New Zealand rugby player. Absolutely spot on. Um favourite film? Lion King 2
1: or 300?
0: Favourite band?
1: Not much of a band guy, you know. Um, Favourite band? Jeez. Does One Direction count?
0: (laughs) It certainly can. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm going to ask you a question, which will probably annoy you, but on behalf of Michael Tinser. Home and away or neighbors? neighbours? Neighbours, be neighbours. Uh, beach holiday or city break?
1: Um, I spend enough time on the beach here, so I'd, I'd say uh, a city break.
0: <laughs> Very lucky <laughs> compared to us in Scotland, yeah. as you know. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> the last question I've got for you, Jack, is if you had to make a five-a-side team. From the players you played with at Morton, who would be in it and why?
1: Players I played with at Morton. All right, so I'd have uh, Steve McCrory in goal. He was, he was, he was really good. Um, at the back, um, uh, Tamalwe. He he was special as well. Good with his feet, and then I'd have. Gary Harkins, Michael Tidzer and Bob McHugh. Gary Harkins, because, you know, we already spoke about him, Tid's he can put the ball wherever he wants with that left foot, and Bob McHugh was, when he was on fire, he was really on fire in training with his finishing.
0: Spot on, and as I say, Jack, I wish you all the very best. Um, obviously, at Carlisle, after the season returns, and and if it doesn't, whether that's at Carlisle or elsewhere, I just wish you all the best for the future because I just loved watching you career down that, that left wing at Capelo Nice one, thank you very much mate So we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave and our shells will all be open they'll be filled with song they'll be filled with song we'll dive down to ocean. I will make her home in a deep sea cave and her shells will